Millennials are ruining the world An exennial perspective Hey everyone, welcome back to Millennials are ruining the world question mark An exennial perspective Real conversations, bridging the gap between generations X and Y I'm not woke, but I'm awake My guest today is a Miami native an actor, singer, songwriter, voice teacher based out of New York City. He is a compulsive shopper of underwear, introverted extrovert, and always down for good food traveling and making out. Please welcome Adriel Garcia. Hey, Adriel, how's it going? Uh, it's great. How's it going for you? I'm good. So you're, you're on Zoom today. Where are you, just so the listeners know? I am in Ashland, Oregon. Oregon. That's the right way to pronounce it, too. Yeah. My friend is from Oregon, and we used to pronounce it Oregon when I was growing yes. up. And my friend was like, it's Oregon. Don't ever pronounce it Oregon. <laughs> oh, they're serious about that here. <laughs> yeah, that's like New Orleans. You have to call yeah. it New Orleans. You can't call yeah. it New Orleans. Yes. They'll be like, no, no, you're not from here. What's going on? But I'll tell you, everyone pronounces New York City correctly. Well, yeah. But they, don't, they don't pronounce Houston Street correctly because that's Houston Street, but in Texas it's Houston. It's Houston, absolutely. So yeah. it's like the English language is the most confusing language that has ever been invented. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? So uh, you like underwear, is what your bio says. Yeah, I have a problem with that. Well, I don't know if you can see it's a problem. Well, I mean, I've spent, I mean, I probably own 200 pairs. Like, I have, aside from my stuff in my home in New York City, I have a whole dresser at my mother's house in Miami. And every, all six drawers are just full of underwear. And I can't seem to stop buying them. And because I have so many of them, they never really, like, get old or wasted or stretched or anything because I wear them so few times in a row because of the amount that I have. That is really funny. I, I actually am the opposite. <laughs> I will wear the underwear until it's like, I think that's a stereotypical straight male thing, but I will wear it until it's like disintegrated. I think that yeah. was on like Family Guy or something and it just kind of blows away into the wind. That's how long yeah. I wear my my underwear, but I'm sure the, the listeners today are like, this is not something I want to know, TMI. So we will segue <laughs> from underwear. Uh, so our first question, yeah. as always, is how did we meet? So how did we meet, Adriel? Um, you are actually the first person who booked me for a New York City performance. Oh, so that's I sweet. Did my first, I did my first ever New York City performance in, at Don't Tell Mama with, um, under your direction of your show. Aw, shucks. Yeah, we have a, a bunch of people I met doing showcases this season and every season because that's how I make friends. It's like, especially, uh, you know, because you're uh, around my age or you're a little older, but yeah. we won't have to go into specifics. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's an it's a fellow exennial. I can be friends with this person because nowadays I get so many 22 year olds and, you know, they're, they're I'm friendly with them. But uh, you, you can't really be friends with the 22-year-old, yes. can you? I, 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 it's, it's, well, I mean, 
you can, but like this is an issue that I have because I just come across as a lot younger than my age and just have a young energy. So a lot of the people who, who, who I who, who are attracted to wanting to have any sort of relationship with me, whether it's friendship or romance or whatever, they happen to be like that, early 20s. And I'm just like, it gets to like you could vibe a little, but it gets to a point where that age gap really does become a, a, a big slap in the face. You're like, oh goodness gracious, this is not gonna work out. I have a few friends who are like 24, 25, and I'll tell you, uh, I because I think about things way too much, a few of them have been on the podcast, but I, I find it depends on their on their parents' age, because sometimes right. the 22-year-old's parents have them in their 40s, and then I get along with them better. So I think it's something about being raised by boomers that right. the upbringing, they have a similar set of of ethicers or something because like my friend uh Lindsay green was on the podcast last season and she did this great episode on her dissertation about plantation vacations which is a thing mm -hmm. in the south uh where people yes. actually go to resorts that used to be slave plantations and it's yes. a fantastic episode so go listen to that if you haven't but she is young but her parents had her when they were old and she just has a mentality of someone older and I right. and you, we both have very young mentalities. I mean, my wife says I, yes. I act like a teenager often. So I don't know about you. Yes. But so I think sometimes yeah. that works. But other times, uh, these 20 year olds, their parents are our age. <laughs> so we're mm -hmm. not Absolutely. quite, but we're getting there. I did have one, yes. I forget who it was, which is good because I don't want to talk about their names. But uh, one of my recent performers, I think, her mom had her. Oh, I remember who it is, but I won't tell you. Uh, one of her mom had her at 16. So wow. like she's like one of those Gilmore girls, best friends with her mom type people. Right. They're so close in age. But she was like, oh, yeah, you're my mom's age. And then mm -hmm. I was like, wow, now I feel very old. But, yeah. you know, so I think that's a part of it as, as well. Uh, so, you know, we don't want to generalize too much on the show that's called Millennials Are Ruining the World because that's a that's a hyperbolic generalization. I know I I still have millennials who get offended by that title and I'm like it is a, a hyperbole. It is a sense of humor. Could you please Exactly. Uh, can you please try to figure out how to have a sense of humor and make fun of yourself a little bit. That's the mm -hmm. point of life is to have a good time. But Absolutely. that's a great Great segue, actually, to our topic today is toxicity. Uh, so, Adriel, how would you define toxicity? Um, well, I'd say, like, in its simplest form, going back to thinking of childhood, I, I always remember, like, let's say, like, a box of crayons that would say, like, non-toxic or household products, the cleaners that were toxic. And that was something with a little skeleton. So from a very young age, you're already kind of like learning that something that's toxic is bad because it could be very harmful to you. And when it's dealing directly with, with, um, with a person, I think it really is just like that. Something that can really be um, of harm or of, of, of poisonous um, um, energy or consequence in, in your life or in a relationship. All right. So as uh, my listeners will know, I always let 
the uh, guests pick the topic. So why did you want to discuss toxicity today? This is our so this is our serious episode of the, of the season, which well, will still I, be uh, very funny. Um, I, I um, my life is my life story has been a super like crazy one. People who who know me well and know the details from like childhood to adulthood are like, you need to put this into a movie. Um, and I or think, a musical. Um, Right. Yes. So I've, I've gotten through life, like you said, through humor and, uh, you know, making fun of myself and making fun of situations and trying to make uh, certain situations lighter than, than what they actually were to get through. But I think oftentimes it, in doing that in life and people doing that, sometimes uh, the serious root of some of these problems don't get dealt with because you just kind of like blow it over with laughter and I think that certain things need to be dealt with so that you can actually find a resolution and heal from them in order to move um, forward. I think in my experience with a lot of younger people and my teaching throughout many of the years because of some of the experiences and those severe moments of toxicity and toxic relationships I've had, I think they've allowed me to impact and, and touch and, and help some of the younger um, individuals that I've dealt with, um, being able to not only recognize perhaps what some of their issues are and how these certain toxic environments or situations have affected them or gotten them to the point that they're in, but also being able to help them um, be able to make, um, uh, after that initial um, recognition, being able to make you know healthy choices in order to change that situation. Ah, so you touched upon your background a bit. Do you want to give like a, an abridged background? I might not even know any of this stuff. Um, you well, moved to the city later in life. Yeah. So my mother um, got pregnant with me when she was 17 and my dad was almost 30. Um, and a lot of the stuff I went through just had to do with the after effects of stuff that my parents went through and, 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 and what their circumstances led to. So with the things I'm going to say in no way, am I trying to put down the people who birthed me or, 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 or necessarily put blame directly on them because I really don't think that everything I went through came out of direct malice from them. I think it just had to do with being, um, a product of what their circumstances were and them trying to do the best they could for whether the circumstances. Life, age. Um, one, so, one of my um, therapists said uh, that you don't you don't have to find blame or blame a person a lot of times you blame the circumstances so right. uh, you don't have to assign blame to anyone so yes adriel is not assigning blame so my my mother gave birth to me super young. She found an escape in my dad, and that's why she was able to just pick up and go at the age of seventeen. Um, my dad at the time was just someone who was involved in a lot of just untraditional and kind of, I guess you could just say, had a bit of a of a shady um, past. Let's just say. I could not watch the movie Scarface in its entirety through most of my life until just a couple of years ago because the movie would make me sick because watching that reminded me a lot of my own childhood and the things I saw and grew around. Um, so 
I had parents who were too busy trying to navigate through their own lives, which led to, you know, drugs and partying and, you know, just a lot of things like that. And because of that, I, as a child, was not really tended to. Um, and those relationships turned really bad, um, which in turn led me to have many, many um, relationship issues in all types of relationships throughout my life, whether it would have been with in an educational setting with teachers, whether it would have been in a religious setting, whether it had been with friends. Um, also later, it kind of converting into me sometimes being that toxic person in the relationship, not even realizing that was happening because it was never, ever an intent or never, ever um, would have done anything to try to be harmful or unpleasant or purposely um, manipulative or, or, or something to try to work something out in my favor with that um, particular relationship. I don't know if that made sense to you. I mean, I personally am very good at manipulating people. Uh, it's the Jewish guilt. I'm very good with, with Jewish <laughs> guilt. Would that be toxic to you? Um, I think depending on the situation, it can be. Oh, it might I mean, be. I think that, yeah, like I said, like we sometimes do things and, and they're not, they're not malintended. Um, but when you look at certain patterns and you look at, at, at the reasons why we do certain things, I, I do think sometimes we, we can um, have toxic traits or, or, or be toxic in situations without it ever even being the intention. Oh, definitely. I think uh, unintentionally, I mean, I think it's good to look at uh, if it's intentioned, it's, it's way worse than unintentional, though. That doesn't, Absolutely. you know, it, it, it doesn't uh, appease the fact that it's happening, but, Absolutely. you know, it, at, at least it's, if it's on a subconscious level, but I, I think as, as humans, it's good to try to analyze what's going on and we try to be better. At least I try mm -hmm. to be better. I, yeah. There are probably plenty of people who don't, but but Adriel and I try to be better. Um, Absolutely, you know every, we're trying. Every, yeah, uh, you know, there's a saying that says, um, and I think a lot of 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 toxicity I feel comes from this. There's that saying that says, if you can't love yourself, how can you love someone else? That's in rent. And I think, and, and I think that, um, like for myself, once I started realizing and started seeing troubles in some of my own personal relationships where I turned out to be the toxic one. It took me time to, to try to figure out like, what is happening here? Why am I going down this path? Why do these um, patterns keep arising in these relationships with people that seem to be so well? And then I always somehow end up screwing it up um, at the end, and a lot of it had to do just that had to do with with, with self love, self acceptance. Um, um, I'm doing away with with guilt over things that were never really truly my fault. They were just a circumstance of something else, and because I may have felt disconnected, or may have felt that perhaps there was a lack of of attention, um, that it was my fault. All of a sudden, you know, like my parents wasn't here or my teacher didn't really um, uh, invest time 
in me and my development. It must be my fault. I There must be something wrong with me. And then it turns into, at least for me, I think what ended up happening was that I just went into survival mode and it got to a point where I was just doing whatever I needed to do to survive. And even when I thought I was doing right, sometimes it, it, it wasn't. So you internalized a lot of this trauma that happened yes. to you and you started blaming yourself for things that you, that weren't your fault. And I, I think that Absolutely. trauma, you know, they've done a lot of studies of, of Holocaust because I'm a third generation Holocaust survivor. And I think a lot of that trauma uh, stays with you, somehow gets yeah. passed down from my father uh, to me. And uh, I, I think it takes a long time to like, get some of that it has been foisted on you just because you exist. Yes. And that's hard. True. But yes. then there's the other kind of toxicity where people don't take responsibility for things they're doing and are kind of oblivious maybe, or they aren't oblivious, which is worse. But mm -hmm. I, I would yes. say a lot of time it is oblivious uh, and they're doing these things that are harmful to other people and nobody tells them and they don't notice. And that's another recipe. That's like the other side of this, which is also- yeah. It almost turns into a very um, narcissistic, sociopathic way of thinking and living. Well, I have been called narcissistic, but I, I, I think I'm self-centered with the heart of gold is, is how I try to spin that. Okay, okay. okay. I'm actively, actively working <clears throat> to, you know, you know, here's something I've learned. It's not always about me. Mm -hmm. uh, that's That's been a hard lesson because you know, in my brain, it, it is always about me. Okay. But you know what? I think I think sometimes we should be able to say, oh, this is about me. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's not, I, I think, I, I think that there's, there's sometimes, um, uh, it's about balance. That's and true. sometimes, and, and I, I think we should be able to have the confidence um to say, oh yes, this is about me. This is me, and this was done. You know, I this this happened this way, and I had a lot to do with that. And it's not a bad thing. I I, I think it's just finding that balance between, I guess, selfish and selfless. Exactly, exactly. It's it's okay to be humble, but I think it, it, it is also a bad thing to be too humble and not I'm, be able to really. <laughs> I'm terrible at being humble. That is not something I really am good at. I'm trying, uh, but you know, fake it till you make it to to be right. to be humble. Uh, right. But you're right. It's it's there's a lot of shades of gray in life, and mm -hmm. I think that humans in general, another generalization, we prefer the simple, you know, the easy, and that is black and white and extreme thinking. And I think it's very easy to fall into extreme thinking or to fall into generalizations like we can right. say toxicity is bad and it mostly is but it's it's still a spectrum of how bad is it if it, if it was malicious if it was inadvertent and whether the right. person is trying to get better and, and ameliorate the situation or if the person digs in deeper which i think is a mistake which a lot of people do i think if you say no you're wrong about that a lot of people will be like, fuck you, I'm not wrong about this. And this is the reason why. And then Absolutely. you dug yourself you're deeper into this hole, whereas a more reflective person would be, let me listen to what you're saying and 
even after listening, you still might not agree, but at right. least you've had a chance for a conversation like we're having Absolutely. today on this podcast. Absolutely. So what do you, what, what are some different types uh, of toxicity then? Let's get into some specifics. So we have a narcissistic personality could be pretty toxic. Yes. Um, I think um, um, relationships that deal with, um, let's say, substance abuse, binge drinkers, mm. um, that I think is a toxic relationship within that own person, which then tends to bleed out to their relationships with other people. Um, and yeah. it's crazy because a, a lot of these things sometimes are off you know, someone could have one of these, like, like liars, someone who, who may be a compulsive liar. Oh, yeah. Pathological liars. I've known cheaters, a few of those. Cheaters. Um, you know, um, sometimes even um, people who are super insecure with themselves, because then they try to overcompensate with other mm. things in turn, then end up really just harming and hurting other people aside from themselves. Um, I think sometimes people who are let's say competitors and everything is a competition that could turn oh no that's me i'm a huge competitor but it's but it's not everyone it, it really depends on how 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 extreme it is and if you're in let's say i've been in a romantic relationship where i was with someone for long term and it really started getting in the way of my career because this person now even though they weren't performing anymore at a very young age they did and that's what they wanted to do mm -hmm. so they it turned into like a competition there and then they in turn made me feel like I shouldn't be happy with the successes I was getting so I was kept pulling myself away from things the last not even years. not even realizing that I was doing that and before you knew it I before I knew it, I wasn't even, I wasn't doing anything anymore. And then all of a sudden this person books a show and it's like, what is happening right now? This doesn't even make sense. Um, so, you know, insecurity, abusive, um, people with abusive behaviors, um, whether it's physical or psychological, mental, I mean, there are people who are just man mental manipulators and will get anything out of someone. And that is just disgusting and terrible. And exhausting. I, I'm Absolutely. trying not to make this a competition of of who has the worst exes because I know you don't like uh, competition is toxic. But no, 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 I, I I dated you know on the flip side I've dated girls that have suffered from like depression or they've had some PTSD from stuff in their lives. Not yeah. getting into you know details, yeah, but even if that 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 or uh, that is not their fault. And it's definitely right. not, they're not being malicious because right. they still have a lot to take care of with themselves. So yeah. they, they can't really be in a relationship, but they're still in a relationship because, you know, maybe the, the you know, the chemicals of love are, are addicting and feel good. So a lot of times, even though you're not healed uh, or you, you're not ready to be in a relationship, you're not standing on your own two feet and then you use that person as a crutch and that is yep. certainly not <clears throat> malicious in any way shape or form but it is still pretty toxic and pretty damaging well, i think absolutely absolutely 100 percent. and i feel sometimes 
what you get from the last relationship is what you give to the next person. I've seen some examples of this is how I was treated and then I treat the next person that way. And then you have to have this moment where you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I don't mean to, to be like this, but it's just yep. sometimes circumstantially, it's the place where you are. I, one of my yes. friends calls it like a palate cleanser after a toxic relationship, you have something that's kind of like, you know, white toast or whatever. And you, so then you're actually kind of using the person, but you're not, you don't mean to, because in the moment you probably don't even realize that you are using the person. And then after a few months, you're like, okay, I'm just not into this person. And you realize, oh, this was a palate cleanser. And then you right. feel bad because if you mm -hmm. didn't realize that what the person was and you didn't communicate that properly, then you're hurting that person's feelings. Yeah. And then sometimes you feel bad, so you don't want to break it off. So you can yep. just keep going on with it. And that turns out to be even worse. Yeah. At the end. Well, sometimes it's okay. <laughs> like I had, I guess I will say, cause I don't think she listens. One of my exes, uh, we had this horrible New Year's Eve experience. And then I knew that I, I didn't want to be with her anymore, but like Valentine's mm -hmm. day comes up and then it's my birthday. And then it was her birthday. And I just, I didn't want to, her of, you know, getting to celebrate. I didn't want to make her sad before her birthday or before my birthday. Right. And I didn't right. want to do Valentine's Day alone. So I let that relationship right. linger on an extra eight weeks. And that was, I don't know if that was kind. I thought it was kind. I'm not sure if it was. Uh, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, it's not a black or white thing. It is definitely, but, a, it ha but it came, it came from good intention. Well, that's true. It came from, it definitely, it definitely came from good intention, but I, I think it depends on the person on if you ask, who you ask, yeah. what do you think this was? Because some people may be like, you know what? You had good intention. You were really looking out for their, for their happiness. And you didn't want to kind of rain on the parade right before all these holidays, but someone else might be like, yeah, but you strung them along. You really weren't feeling it. You probably should have just ended it. And, yeah, and well, you know, like, like rip the bandaid off and, and moving right along. It was, it was eight weeks and I already had bought her tickets to once for her birthday. Actually, I saw once okay. twice. And when I saw once on Broadway, uh, I actually peed next to Paul Simon just to, oh. just to lighten the mood. Oh. And uh, I didn't look, don't worry, <laughs> but he was very short. And this was before I had a smartphone. So I couldn't really take a selfie or anything. And I just kind of froze because it was like Paul Simon. I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's Paul right. Simon. Oh my God, that's Paul Simon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, see, we, we are capable of toxic behaviors ourselves. I mean, I try hard not to be, but I, I thought right. I was doing the right thing. And it's not like sometimes you're in a relationship and it's just, eh, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It definitely wasn't going to go anywhere. Uh, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, I have to get out of this right now. It was more of a, it, it was a really nice, pleasant thing. And she is, she is married. I am married now. So I don't think there's any, uh, she is actually one of the few exes I'm actually Facebook friends with. So I don't think there was, there's any bad blood there, which I'm happy to say, because that is, it's, that's also impossible. Like, it's very hard to not have some bad blood in a breakup because that's why it's called a breakup. You know, something is, is breaking and there, because something isn't working. And uh, it's, it's hard, I think, to have an amicable breakup. I had two friends who actually met at my birthday party who dated for a few years and broke up in the middle of the pandemic. 
and it's possible they would have broken up sooner uh, if it wasn't for, I think the pandemic really fucked everyone in different ways. Not, not good ways. Not the good kind of fucking. Yeah. Um, it, oh, the pandemic. Well, it depends. Because actually, I feel like the, the, the pandemic worked really well for me. Oh, well, that's lovely. See, nothing I is think, black I or think, white. I think the way, the way, the, the way it affected me, especially when I, because in the beginning of the pandemic, I got stuck. I wouldn't say stuck. It was kind of a blessing, but I was staying temporarily with a, a, a really good friend of mine. They're a couple. They have they had a two year old, um, and I was just staying with them temporarily, and then everything got shut down. So I kind of got stuck there, and then after a while of being there, I eventually moved into my own studio and. Even though it obviously did a number on everyone's heads because you're like all of a sudden now, you know, alienated from everyone. And this was the first time I was really living by myself in my own place. And sure, it was hard and stuff, but it gave me time to really dive deep into, into myself, my mind, my feelings, and, and, and gave me the opportunity to start maybe trying some things that I didn't have time to do before and exploring things. And oddly enough, I book a show in one of the first theaters that opens up during the pandemic. And I have been working consistently nonstop um, since. So that's amazing. Yeah. For me, the pandemic has been like amazing. Like I have earned enough equity weeks to like qualify for health insurance next year. So I, and this, I, I, thanks to the pandemic and everything shifting around, you know, I, I really think that it really did a good thing for me. Well, that's fucking amazing. I'm yeah. very proud of you. For me, it was Thank terrible. You. I read a lot of books and my whole career was on pause uh, until the summer uh, when Love Quirks reopened. And that was uh, it just felt nice to, to be back after 27 months, but I felt like it really <laughs> stalled all the momentum I was having in my career. And I'm hoping by the time this airs, some of that momentum has uh, has come back. But I, I don't know. I, I can't predict the future. As all well, my listeners know, we're going to put we're gonna, we're gonna put it out as a positive positive energy and a positive message. Yes, it will. It will be positive back. energy. Everything's going to go great. The show's going to go mm-hmm. great. And it's going to open Absolutely. up all these doors that I've been waiting for. Uh, Adriel is one of the people who got to see the show in 2020. Yes, yes. And I'm excited to see. Hopefully I could make it. I'm back in New York while it's while it's still running and get to watch it again. Yay. How exciting. Yes. I know this whole <clears> podcast, every episode, we end up mentioning Love Quirks because that's just what's going on in my life. Uh, so how do you figure out you're in a toxic relationship and how do you diagnose it and find a way out of it? So, so now, now at this point in my life, um, I've learned that you really need to pay attention to your gut. You need to Mm. pay attention to the way you feel. Um, And like I said, that, that a lot of that comes with just security with yourself and who you are. And being able to trust that what you're thinking, what you're feeling is, is, is exactly it. And I would say in my experience, 9.99 times out of 10, when I'm feeling something and my gut is telling me something, that's exactly what's happening. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's recognizing um, 
when something just feels off. And, and, and I think that that comes with um, <clears throat> that comes with learning how to how to listen to yourself and how to process kind of like what you're feeling. It's kind of like a day could be okay and it might not be super gray out yet or anything, but you might feel like, huh, I wonder, it feels like it's gonna rain later. You know, there's just like a change in the air. The sun could still be out, but, and, and then lo and behold, a little while later it starts raining. So I think we as humans, especially, we feel a lot and it's, it, it's do we pay attention or do we, are we scared of it and push it away? I think we need to pay attention to how we feel and, and, and start, you know, and take the time to, to separate, I, I, I would, what I do is that I take myself out of the situation and try to look at the whole relationship from above, not as me, but as if I'm looking at two other people and, 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 and seeing if my um, observations of that lead me to the same um, thoughts that I have as the person in the relationship. Um, and, and oftentimes when little, when there's little red flags, you bring things, it's easy, at least for me now, I've gotten to a point where I bring up a conversation and someone can be open to listening and having a talk about it, or someone could be defensive and fight you. And I, I feel that the instant someone is gets defensive and starts, tries to start pointing the finger at you and making you feel like you're at fault for even having this conversation, that right there to me is a huge red flag. I that think that's called whatever, gaslighting. Exactly, one hundred percent. Which is which is a huge part of, of of many toxic relationships. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I personally try to listen, and I do try to have uh, open dialogues. I I have lost a couple friends during the pandemic, not not who died, who decided yeah. to not be friends with me anymore. And I sometimes uh, cling on to people even more, and it's it's hard for me. Since I have huge abandonment issues because when I yeah. was growing up, uh, when I went from elementary, I discovered this in therapy when I was 25. Okay. When I went from kinder, when I went from fifth grade into sixth grade, that's elementary school into middle school, yeah. like five of my friends all moved the same year. So when I started sixth grade, I had one friend left out of a group that I had. And so I felt really alone in sixth grade and I was... Uh, picked on and bullied a lot, especially middle school and junior high school. Mm. And so I have trouble letting go of people. And that yeah, makes sometimes sense. makes it worse because then if they're trying to get away, I'm holding on closer. They just want to, to move away even faster. Uh, but that is just, that's just life, you know? And I even have trouble. I have an app that tells me when people unfollow me on Instagram. And if it's someone who did my showcase, I get all like, oh my gosh, do they hate me? And usually that's just not personal because people, you know, they just, they. I don't know why people would unfollow me, Adriel. I, it hurts right. me. Every time someone unsubscribes from my mailing list or unfollows me on Instagram, I it hurts. And I know I'm not supposed to take that personally, but I do. And I do, you know, keep it in the back of my mind if for some reason I ever run into a person again, which I usually don't anyway. Right. A lot of times people are just moving out of the city. I had one friend who moved out of the city and she just wrote me a note saying I, it was really toxic for me to be in Manhattan. And so she was, she wanted to remove herself from everything and it had nothing to do with me. And I thought that was really nice of her 
to actually take the time to tell me that. Or I had one friend's ex-girlfriend write me a note saying, I'm getting myself off all your lists because it reminds me, you know, of your friend who's my ex. And I, that I appreciate, you know, I appreciate a little note with the reason. And I'm sure it's not personal, but every so often I'm like, maybe I did something toxic and I don't know about it. And then that I get really upset because I don't ever mean to be toxic, but I'm sure that I come across, you know, as, as sometimes I'm getting in my head or, or I'm just robotic in nature. Sometimes it's like, I must do things the way I do things. It's very hard for me to get out of this mental space. And I think that sometimes rubs people the wrong way, but I'm very open when people tell me and I try but it is, you know, the first reaction I think of most people is to be defensive. And so I think, I think we all need to kind of train ourselves to, to listen more, which is very hard for, for someone who likes to talk so much. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I I feel like this has turned into a group therapy session here. (laughs) We all have these, you know, it's like, we all have some toxicity in us and we've all experienced a lot. And a lot of what we've experienced has made us more toxic. And so it's just kind of compounds on each other. And so what is the solution? How do you fix this toxicity? Um, Well, I mean, the way I started to be able to handle this and, 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 and fix it and deal with it, whether it was coming from me in my own life directed at other people or affecting relationships or whether it's doing something about it when it's someone else you know when I'm involved with someone else and it's coming from them um, for me when I started therapy in 2013 after my grandmother passed away um, I went to therapy and that obviously brought a a lot of things to light and and allowed me to really um, connect the pieces I had on my own already kind of started analyzing all of the kind of toxicity in my life and tried to figure out, you know, connect the pieces and where it came from and, and why did this happen this way and what led this and, and goodness, I did this, this actually was not really good for me. And I don't feel like that's really representative of of my character and who I am as a person. So therapy really did um, help me a lot to develop um, the tools in order to navigate just through life and relationships in general, which led me to be able to um, not only um, navigate through toxic situations with other people, but also be able to kind of be able to change those toxic qualities that were within me by recognizing where they come from, where they came from, what led me to that. And then now that I am aware of it, now I can make change. Well, that is great. Uh, My cat Joni is like sniffing the mic. I'm like, oh no, is she going to interrupt Adriel's deep thoughts? But she she was quiet. (laughs) She is, uh, she's so funny. She goes from being like really standoffish to being super needy, like, like this. Uh, yeah, so yes, therapy. I, I love therapy. I found therapy very helpful. I had a years of therapy. 
when I moved to the city, it was right after 9-11 and we were all in therapy, but I, I dealt with a lot of stuff. And then I, as people who've read my book know, I did it a lot in 2012, the year I wasn't sleeping at all. And then I had a little bit more therapy uh, after the 2016 election. I think that was a really tough time for most people uh, as well, well, 50% of the country at least. And uh, I find every time I've been, it's been really helpful to just have a place that's a safe space where you just kind of uh, talk and try to figure out what what is going on. Why are you reacting the way you're reacting? That's one thing I learned in therapy is to respond, don't react, which is something I still work on if we find like sometimes life hands you a bomb, you know, like all of a sudden you get an email and you're like, holy shit. And your reaction is to respond and be like, you motherfucker, what the fuck are you thinking? And then you have to just take a few minutes. And I've learned yeah. also, uh, don't send emotional emails. You know, I, I, that's in one of my books too. I sent emotional emails to some girls I had crushes on and then I never hear from them again because you're just kind of blowing up on them emotionally. You write it and you don't send it. Like, so if something comes in and you're really upset, you write it in a little notepad and you write all your feeling and then you wait 15 minutes because there are very few emails that need to be responded within 15 minutes. Like sometimes, right. sometimes <clears throat> there are, but most likely, even if you took an hour or two. So you, you have to calm down, release the emotion. And that's a good way to not be so toxic because if you yes. pour the toxicity into a separate thought or you, you vent to a friend or your wife or whatever, uh, or your collaborators, and you're like, you, you call and you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Why is this exploding? Why did this email, what is this person trying to do? Like ruin your life or whatever. And then you mm -hmm. calm down and then you have to try to see it from their perspective, you know, like, absolutely. okay. So the reason I, I'm trying to be very vague here, because I have all these examples in my head. I can't talk about mm -hmm. publicly. It's like, okay, the reason this person is doing this is because of that. Okay, yes. if I was in this position, I would also want that. And then sometimes when you do that, you can be like, this person wants that, but I don't want this, but I can get that person that by doing this other thing. And that's yeah. like a good negotiation tactic, but you really right. have to remove yourself from, Adriel's really good at listening. He's nodding his head. <laughs> He's a great listener. I appreciate this. Uh, and you have to remove yourself from the situation a little bit. Yes. And I think that's a good way because you're going to have angst. You're going to have anger. You're going to feel these feelings. I think it's about what you do with the feelings and a toxic person takes these feelings and amplifies them and throws them back at you. And someone yes. who's had therapy like Adriel and me, we can put it in a text file, vent it somewhere else without having to turn that hose at another person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of try to think sometimes like, you know, like they say, like, there's two sides to every story. Well, I try to think of things as there are three sides to every story because mm -hmm. there's the side of the one person's side, the other person's side. But then if you view it from the 
of like persuasion without a side? What does that look like? And oftentimes that'll shift the way I think about a certain situation or what I just perceived was the other person's um, may have been their intention because it may not have been at all. Um, sometimes a situation can be so simple that we turn it into the largest bomb and chaos for no reason just because it's an emotional impulse at the moment yeah and sometimes emotional impulses are just usually not great yeah sometimes you'll sleep on it and the next day you'll be like why was i even upset about this this is totally Mm -hmm. it makes sense like oh this is not a big deal at all you know it's just we're it's very stressful life is stressful i know producing a show off broadway is incredibly stressful and you get caught up in these moments but I I did I'm going to circle back to something you said I don't remember where I heard it and my brain is trying to figure it out but it was something to do with with theater I was either in a show or a talk back or something that there's you as the actor there's the audience and then the third thing is what we create together and I forget maybe it was someone in my showcase said it but it's that togetherness, which is why during the pandemic, it was so hard to do theater without that that other of what we're creating together. So what you're saying is very similar. There's you, there's this other person, and then there's the situation that's created when the two of you come together and are having this conflict. Right. And I, I agree, you can take a look you know, you, you have that outer body experience, which is reminding me of this book, The Candy House by Jennifer Egan, I just finished, which is really good, by the way. Uh, okay. And you just have this moment where you kind of look at what's happening and go, okay, I see what's happening here. That's another thing, you know, you get an arbiter or a therapist, that it's good to have a third party evaluation because sometimes what the person is doing may be toxic sometimes what you're doing may be toxic and sometimes what you're both doing are not toxic but for some reason that combination together is toxic yeah so what you need is the toxic avenger (laughs) i've been saving that joke for the whole podcast i i wanted to to squeeze that in that's that's funny that's that's funny so then uh so final question before we start wrapping up uh, what would yes. advice would you give to someone who is stuck in a toxic situation? Um, value, value yourself. And even though a situation may seem um, difficult or scary to want to handle and deal with, because uh, sometimes it's easier just to stay in the situation and to try to make a change. Um, uh, um, go ahead and, and really think about um, think about yourself and, and, and put yourself first because I think chances are if you are a lot of times when, when you're in a toxic relationship or situation, it's because you didn't put yourself first and you didn't value yourself so you got sucked in by this other person or, or, or circumstance. Take time for yourself, value yourself, give yourself the importance that you deserve and, and, and know that at the end of the day, if, if you, I think, I, I try to think if I am, if I live life as a good human and I pay attention to the things that 
I need so that I'm not harmful to myself so that I could in turn give greatness to others. But I'll work out at the end. There's always issues, there's always problems, but there's always another day that's going to come and, and, and things will work themselves out. You just got to not be afraid to put in the work to make those changes. Yeah, communication, I think. Talk, you know, don't keep it to yourself. Don't internalize. Talk to a therapist, talk to a friend. And then if consequently someone you're in a relationship with, friendship or whatever, comes to you and, and says you're being toxic, then I think the best thing to do is listen and to try not to have an emotional reaction and try to understand the other person's perspective, like, and see, you know, sometimes there might be an easy fix or sometimes it's a hard fix and sometimes there is no fix. And sometimes you just have to have the conversation and be like, we can't be collaborators. We can't really be friends. And, you know, you try to have it be amicable and say, I really value you as a person. I love you as a person, but our dynamic is sometimes you can't change it. Sometimes the dynamic in a relationship, friendship, collaborator, marriage, that has been set really early. And sometimes you can't get out of that because when you got, it's like, this is us, Uh, you know, with Toby and Kate, they came in, they were both kind of broken and they helped heal each other, but then they just were not gelling anymore. And then they, they, you know, not to spoil you, but the show's been over for a few months now. So it's your fault for not watching. Uh, you know, they they end up not being together and then they end up finding other people and still co-parenting. And sometimes things are just, you know, as you're just not meant to be. And it doesn't mean what you had is not valuable because everything yeah. you have has formed you into this person. And Absolutely. sometimes... Sometimes just that friendship was really good at that yeah. point of your life. But now that you're not in that point of your life, you just kind of drift apart. Sometimes Absolutely. the drift apart is painful and sometimes it's natural. Yeah. I've had to, especially in the last couple of years, I've had to cut people out that I care deeply about. I mean, you know, one of these people. Yes, I was going to um, say I do. Yeah, you know one of these people. I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, but don't this mention. Don't mention the name. Was um, this person was a student of mine when I was a high school teacher, and and this person grew up in tremendous, you know, with with bad circumstances and and parents who who really were toxic towards her with their lack of everything they should have been doing. So. I took this person under my wing and we became really close and we really became like, like, like family. But after, you know, what, eight, six, almost 20 years, I mean, it's a long time, 16, 17 years. I unfortunately had to cut this person off because there was a certain level, there, there was just a certain level of toxicity that just lived in and this person just kept projecting a lot of their their issues and their stuff onto every other circumstance and situation and it got to the point where unfortunately I, I had to say this is not healthy for me and I can no longer continue I there are good times I value the memories I know that I did a lot in, in impacting and making a difference in the life of this person, but it got to the point where 
I just, it was, I was drained. And for my own self and my own well-being and mental health, I needed to say, I love you, but I'm done. And that's it. And I have another girl who she was like a sister to me, a best friend from high school. And we were like singing partners and we did a lot together, but it was this constant Neg- the, the toxicity in that relationship was everything was a downer. Everything was negative. Everything was a victimization. So every time we hung out, I was just being drained of my energy, drained of my time, because everything was always a conversation about a drama, about a relationship got wrong, about a job that got fired. And to this day, I think about her. And sometimes I do want to pick up the phone and just say, hey, how's it going? And, and, and have that conversation like old times. But then I remember what is the reason why I had to cut this person out. And it's crazy. You cut these people, these, you, you put an end to these toxic relationships and it's insane how incredible it is that life just changes. Every time I cut another person out and get that negativity and that toxicity out, it's like all of a sudden my, my, my things in my, in my life just skyrocket and propel forward, whether it be, a romantic relationship, whether it be um, career-wise, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's collaboration. It's, it's crazy how every, like, especially with these last two people, I cut them out and instantly they're out of my life. And all of a sudden, all these amazing opportunities are being thrown at me. So it's almost like their, it's like they say, misery loves company, their negativity was latching onto me and weighing me down, keeping me from moving forward. I hear you. You know, I, I try to, to be positive too, but there are people I have cut out and there are people who have cut me out. And this mm-hmm. uh, this conversation has made me want to reach out to a few, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> but I, I hope that someone out there listening has, uh, this has helped them because it's it's given me some clarity so, I mean, that's that's part of the reason I do the podcast. So hopefully uh, someone out there listening, this has uh, encouraged them to be, uh, as Shakespeare would say, to thy own self be true and maybe feel mm-hmm. better about a past relationship or a current relationship. And, you know, we are all here for you. Give Adriel or me a call. We will talk you through and uh, we're all going to try to be uh, positive. All right. So closing questions. Speaking of being positive. Uh, what is a time a millennial annoyed you? <laughs> <laughs> um, almost every day. No. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think it, it comes to it, 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 it's moments where where um, moments of entitlement, moments of because because this particular generation is just so used to having access to Mm. everything so quickly and not really need to go through processes to get things they just feel like they deserve everything at that given moment that they want just because they say so that is something to me that's just like excuse me slow the fuck down back up like take a moment like this is not the way life works like recheck yourself because it's not going to work with me (laughs) (laughs) i agree we did a whole episode on entitlement uh, my friend Chaz came on last season or two seasons ago, uh, but it's very true. It's like even this season I was talking to uh, one of my guests was on the Cusp of Millennial and Gen Zenji, uh, Ashley, at the beginning of the season, and she's really into astrology. And she was like, yeah, I Googled all this stuff on it. And I'm thinking, 
in my day, you had to go to the library and, and check out a book and like page through it. It's everything is right at their yeah. fingertips. It's crazy. Yeah, with with the with like my with my voice students, like they wanna work on something they don't have shit. They're like, yeah, yeah, but come on, hop on your iPad, get it, screenshot it, do it, do it, send it to and I'm just like, you all are so lucky. When I was in school, you had to hop in a car and drive miles yeah. and miles and miles sometimes to buy a big fat book and spend $50 on it for one song inside of it. I know, or so, at least go uh, to the library. Uh, yes, appreciate your access to things. Appreciate yeah, and be you, thankful that things are the way they are and not feel in, like when you, when you can't access that, that there's something wrong, you know? Yeah, like you couldn't get just one song on music notes. You would have to, you nope. couldn't even buy the book online. You had to go to the music no. store and mm -hmm. sometimes they wouldn't have it. And you'd be like, what do you mean you don't have the vocal selections from Carousel? And you had to use the vocal selections, which are all in crappy keys, especially- the Different keys. Oh, mm -hmm. and if you need an accompaniment for something, God forbid trying to find an accompaniment for many songs, especially theater or classical things. And sometimes you would have to buy a complete, cassette that had 30 songs in it and you were only going to use one and there went 40 bucks on that cassette like it's just it's, it's yeah like, they don't want to pay for things either they don't even want to pay the, the six dollars mm. for the she music they want to find it for yeah. free when people do my shows they send me things from like freeshemusic.com and it's like the most ghetto yeah. she music that has clearly just been transcribed yep. from the real she music but in a terrible way Yep, yep, yep. And so it's like <laughs> us poor composers, that's a revenue stream. Like Jason Robert Brown actually like started writing people, please stop sharing my scores for free because you are making me be homeless, you know? Yeah. Terrible. Absolutely. It's a terrible generation. All right. So what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Final question. Um know that despite all of the hardships and struggles you will deal with in life know that there is a brighter day that's coming and all of your circumstances and your situations will serve to help um will be a tool in in, in some of what you do with helping others including young people that you you, you teach or or mentor, or um, are guiding, you know, through through not only this career but just life in general. All right, you heard it first here first, guys. Uh, stick in there. It it does get better, and everything is going to happen, and going to make you a stronger person. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't know Absolutely. any other words, but Hillary used to play that song at her rallies. All right. So thank you, Adriel. This yeah. was so much fun. This was a great Thank you for having discussion. me. Yes, this was fun. Yeah, it was very, yeah, this was very yeah. therapeutic. It's, uh, I hope people got a lot out of it, but don't worry, guys. This is the, the only serious episode uh, this season. <laughs> so next week, I have my friend Walter <laughs> Petrick here, and we talk about Star Trek. And we really talk about Star Trek for a full hour. We go into every of the 12, 13 series. I can't even count. There's five right now. And we just go in depth with our favorites and our least favorites from every single Star Trek series and movie. And it's a great episode. So I hope you will tune in. So you'll hear me next time. 
right here on Millennials Are Ruining the World question mark and Exennial Perspective, real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. <laughs> Millennials are ruining the world and Exennial Perspective.